to start today, I wanna do something that's just a little exercise. If you feel comfortable, I wanna ask you to close your eyes. Just every, every head bowed, every eye closed. I wanna ask you a question. I want you to be really honest in your answer. What do you think about when you think about God? Right now, your eyes closed. What, what image pops into your mind when you think about God? What, is, what does he look like? What is he like? How does he look at you right now? What do you think about when you think about God? You can, you can open your eyes. Isn't that an interesting question? One of the greatest theologians of the past 100 years, A.W. Tozer, said this, what you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about us. And I think this great theologian was onto something because if you just let that sink in for a moment, you realize that what you think about when you think about God will determine how you relate to God. And how you relate to God will dictate how close you will get to God and how much you'll really trust God. And how close you are to God and how much you trust God will impact every area of your life. What do you think about when you think about God? Is he just some you know, judge up there looking down on you? Maybe he's an angry judge with a lightning bolt in his hand waiting to strike you the moment you mess up. Zap, you know? And if, if that's your view of God, you'll, you'll primarily relate to God out of fear. You'll, you'll come to church, but you'll come to church only out of obligation. You'll sing, you'll, you'll actually maybe even serve and give, but never truly from the purity of, of your heart and what this does over time is it begins to develop this growing gap between you and God because how close can you really get to someone that you're afraid of? Maybe uh, you don't think about God as like an angry you know, judge. Maybe to you, God's just, he's just absent. He's like a sleepy old man in the sky. You know? Maybe God really did create the earth. He flung the stars into the sky. He created humanity, but then you know, on the seventh day, seven days of you know, working, creating the, the world, I mean, he's tired, he just went to sleep, he's pooped, you know, and he's just kind of been asleep ever since in your life, and you just see him as way distant, way absent. And if this is your view of God, what, what we realize happens is that you won't ever really go to God and approach him and talk to him about what's going on in your life. I mean, he, he's absent, he's sleeping, he's out there. The only time you'll ever really come and talk to God is, is in a crisis. And even then, it's just to wake this sleepy guy up Maybe that's not your view of God. Maybe for some of us, it's more of a performance-based parent or a coach. You, know, you feel like when life is good and you're performing good, God's love shines down on you, but the moment you don't perform up to you know, what you think or his standards or other people's standards, you just, his love is withheld from you. And if this is your view of God, you, you begin to realize that you'll spend your whole entire life trying to earn God's love, which will do one of two things, make you joyless or make you judgmental. It'll make you joyless because eventually you realize like you don't really live up. How can we earn God's expectations? You always feel like you're falling short so you'll be joyless or you'll be judgmental. You'll put everyone else down around you to try to prop yourself up. Some of us, it's, it's not that. You know, for, for some of us today, what we say is when I think about God, I just think he's, he's like the fun police. 
You know, maybe, you, you, ever, you ever watch the episode Seinfeld? You remember the soup Nazi? <laughs> maybe, maybe that's God. You know, God's walking around just looking, scanning the earth for anybody having a good time. And if he finds you having a good time, he's going to come with a stick, slap your hand and say, no soup for you. You know? And if this is your view of God, what you'll, what you'll realize is you'll, you will never follow God's principles, especially when it comes to sex or finances. Because he's just trying to take all your fun away. So you live life your way, and you're sure your life's falling apart, but hey, it's, it's fun. Or you think, until you wake up the next morning. You know. For some of you, when you think about God, you know what you thought about? Nothing. Darkness. Because either you've stopped believing in God, you just don't believe he exists, or maybe the pain you've experienced in life, you're like, Where's God in the midst of all that? What do you think about when you think about God? Very honestly today, and, and only raise your hand if this is the, really the thing that popped in your mind right away. How many of you, when you think about God, you thought about a dad, a perfect father? Just raise your hand if, if that was you. Very few of us had that image pop in our mind. And this series is called 276 because that is the number of times, 276 times in scripture, we are told that God is our Father. Now, it's significant that only three of those unique times in scripture, it's a lot more times than that total in scripture, but those are unique times instead of verses that sometimes we'll repeat in like the Gospels and other places, but only three of those unique times, 276 times, are found in the Old Testament which is so significant because the Old Testament is three times as large as the New Testament, which tells us that the majority of times we're told to view God as a father, a good and perfect father, comes in the New Testament from Jesus. In fact, Jesus says this 192 times. Of all the descriptions Jesus gives us of how we should view God, Jesus tells us to view God as a father, a good and perfect father more than any other description he gives us, which means this may be one of the most significant images that you can begin to develop of God. And yet here's what we know. For most of us, that's not the image that immediately pops in our minds. So here's what we're gonna do in this series, and I, I can't even begin to describe how life transformative this can be, this series. Listen, we are going to learn to reframe our minds when it comes to having a correct view of exactly how God wants you to view him. Because remember, when you change your thinking about God, it will change how you relate to God, and how you relate to God will dictate how close you get to God, how much you trust him, which will impact every area of your life. This series, <laughs> I can't even begin to describe how important it is. So as we kick it off today, I'm gonna simply do three things today with us, okay? One is, I'm gonna show you from scripture, from God's word, exactly, clearly, how he wants you to view him as a good and perfect father. Two, I'm gonna talk about why that's so incredibly hard for some of us. And three, I'm gonna give you a very practical takeaway that you can put in place this week, starting today, that's gonna help you begin to reframe your mind. You ready? 
All right, Matthew chapter six is where we're gonna anchor today. And in Matthew chapter six, what's, what's happening is Jesus has just started his public ministry and his disciples come to Jesus and you know, they're kind of new and they're just like, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? We don't know how to pray, just help us pray. And remember, we talked last week that prayer is simply a conversation between you and God. Remember, it's very simply that, which means when Jesus teaches us how to pray, he's not just teaching us the mechanics, Isn't it true how you talk to someone is an indication of the relationship? So when Jesus teaches us to pray, he's not just teaching us mechanics, he's teaching us actually how we should relate with and how to see God. And you're gonna see that at the very, very beginning of when he teaches us to pray. So Matthew chapter six, Jesus starts this way. He says, this then is how you should pray. How should we pray, Jesus? The first two words out of Jesus' mouth, I would love for you to say them out loud with me. Jesus starts the Lord's Prayer and says, here's how you should pray. Our what? When you pray, Jesus says, I want you to picture in your mind a father, a good and perfect father, because that's exactly what God is to you. And he goes on to give the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And most of us kind of have, are familiar with some of that. But please understand, these first two words This is the first time in human history anyone had ever said that we should refer to God as our Father. No one had ever said this in history before Jesus. And you gotta understand, this would have blown the disciples, the first century followers' minds. Because in the first century, listen, their their reference would have been the Old Testament. And never once in the Old Testament does an individual refer to God as Father? Never once. There's a few instances of God being called Father, but they're always in reference to God being the Father of the nation of Israel. And yet Jesus says 25 times throughout the New Testament, your Father, your Father, God is your Father. And this is just blowing the disciples' minds. Do you know that in Jesus' day, the first century followers, most of everyone there, they wouldn't even have uttered the word God out of their mouths. The word they had for God was Yahweh. They were so fearful of God, they wouldn't even have said that out loud, so they, come, they came up with different words. And yet Jesus rocks the world and says, no, I don't want you to call him just God, I want you to call him your Father. Radical. That would be as radical as me telling you today, hey, this week when you walk into work, I want you to walk up to your boss and just say this, hey, Dad. Dad, you're my dad, you're my father. Or look at the guy behind you and go, hey, hey daddy. You'd be like, that is my dad behind me, okay. (laughs) But I mean, this is how radical it would have been. And the word Jesus uses, even the word Jesus uses for father gives us a, a further indication of how deep this is because father can mean different things. Like we can use father in a very stoic, detached way. We could say, well, you know, they're the father of the constitution. They're the father of modern computing. Not what Jesus says, watch the word he uses. The word father in the Greek is the word prater, pater. Which in Aramaic, which is Jesus' original language, is most certainly, this is the word that he would have been using, is actually the word Abba. Now this word is crazy significant. It's the most deep, enduring, intimate word you could ever use for a father. And it's really hard to translate Abba into English, the closest English translation we have is this, daddy, daddy. 
Now, if you're a parent here today, you know something and you know this is true. Doesn't it matter what your kids call you? How they refer to you? I mean, imagine your kids today walked up to you and said, hey, parent, parent, give me some food. Hey, chauffeur, I need a ride. You're my chauffeur, you know. Hey, legal guardian. I mean, that's what you are. You're my legal guardian. You need to give me some money so I can go shopping at the mall. <laughs> have any of you that are parents, have your kids, anybody else had this happen besides me? Any of your kids ever called you by your first name in anger? Instead of saying mom or dad, they say, oh, oh, okay, John. You're thinking like, get over here. You know, it's like, what our kids call us matters. It's an indication of the relationship. You ever had one of your kids just crawl up in your lap, hug you, say, daddy, mommy. Your heart melts. When it happens to me sometimes, I'm like, yes, yes, the answer is yes. <laughs> daddy. Some of you are adoptive parents or foster care system, you're a step parent. You work so hard to just get those kids to say one word out of their mouth. Dad, mom, some of you are still waiting. And yet this is how Jesus tells us he wants us to relate to God as our father. And some of you are thinking this, but he's not my dad. He's not my father. If you are a follower of Jesus here today, you better believe he is. You better believe it. This is, we're told this all throughout scripture in the New Testament. Just look at Romans. Watch how, watch how clear this verse is in Romans chapter eight, verse 15. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. In other words, you are not to relate to God primarily out of fear. What are we to do? Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as what? His own children. You've been adopted as a child of God the moment, the moment you accepted Jesus and you were baptized and you went all in with Jesus. You are a child of God. Now we call him, there's the word again, Abba. He's our dad. He's our father. And that's how we're told we're to relate with God. What changed, by the way, from the Old Testament to the New Testament? Like, we, we can call God father. What changed is Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross and he covered your sins with his blood and his sacrifice forever, he reconciled you with God and God adopts you as his child. If that is how we are to image God in our minds, why is that so hard for some of us? Why did so many of us just not raise our hands and go, that's the image that pops in my mind? There's a simple yet tough answer. Here it is. Most people struggle seeing God as a good father because their earthly father wasn't. I just want that to sit for someone for a second. The reason you struggle so much seeing God as a good father is simply because your earthly father maybe wasn't. For some of us here today, we would say this, the most complicated relationship in the world for us right now is, is that with our dad. For, for a variety of reasons. 
And I want you to think about this. If God wants us to view him as father, and that's what he wants, don't you think that your enemy, Satan, will do everything in his power to try to break that image up in your life? And how would he do that? His primary way of doing that would to be to break up the relationship you have with your earthly father, which is not always, it's not your fault, but in that brokenness, which so many of us have, we take that image we have of our earthly father and we begin to project that onto God. It's not that we meant to, it's not that we even did it on purpose, it's just every psychologist here today would say, the relationship with, you have with your dad impacts so many areas of your life and you better believe it impacts your relationship with God. And isn't our enemy doing a great job? Fatherhood is under attack in America today, in our world today. You know what the current generation is called? One of the names of the current generation is called the fatherless generation. And listen, this isn't a series to bash dads. If you know anything about our church and you know anything about me, that is the last thing we would ever do as a church. One of our great visions as a church is to reach men and raise up men to be the men and the dads that God's called them to be because we believe when a man gets better, the whole family gets better, our world gets better. That Moms, you matter more than you could ever imagine, but can we just admit dads matter? And listen, dads matter in our world. And, and some of us, listen, some of us feel like, well, I'm not a great dad. Listen, you have a God in heaven that wants to, you to view him as father so he can make you the father that you need to be. But listen, there's no perfect dads. I am not a perfect dad. There's not one dad here today that is perfect, that's done it all right. We mess up like crazy. And this isn't a bashing session. This is just something just to just realize and admit that that relationships can be tough. If you sat down with my three daughters today, I promise you, I've told you this, I've been very transparent from the stage of some of the mistakes I've made as a dad. My girls would tell you there's some brokenness they've picked up from me. They have. But here's what I believe my girls would also say. I think they would say this. All in all, I think I had a pretty good dad. And some of us can't say that. We can't, and it's, it's begun to just impact us in ways that, that we maybe didn't quite imagine. And there's probably a hundred different kinds of, kinds of dads out there. I don't know what kind of dad you had. I'm gonna give five examples, and you, you might find yourself relating with one of these, just with some of what you experience sometimes or maybe all the time. Here's, here's just kind of five examples. Maybe your dad was, was absent. You know, maybe your dad passed away when you were little and he just, he passed away and he just wasn't there. Or maybe because of the divorce, he was gone. Or because of the dysfunction or there was an addiction and he was out. Or he, or he abandoned you. So I mean, your dad just abandoned you. He was gone and never called and never came back. For whatever reason, your dad was just absent. Some of you would say, no, he wasn't absent. This is the toughest one, I believe. Your dad abused you. Your dad was abusive either verbally or emotionally, physically, Some of you, your dad abused you in, the, in, in a way that a, a father just never, ever should do a child. I mean, just some of the closest people to me in my life, their father abused them in the worst possible way. And if that's you, I just wanna tell you my heart breaks for you. It's a complicated thing. 
Maybe your dad was abusive. For some of you, your dad wasn't absent or abusive. You would just say he was performance-based. You know, just kind of like you, you felt like when you were doing well in school or on a sports field or in a hobby or in music or you, your dad showered his love on you and the moment you weren't doing so well, he, it's like you didn't, you, you didn't get the hugs anymore. You didn't get the I love yous anymore much and you just kind of, it was just this performance thing to begin to develop and so you began to view God as, as maybe that way too. For some of you, you wouldn't say that. You'd say your dad was just passive. I mean, some dads, it's like, hey, my dad was in the house, but he wasn't home. My dad was in the room, but he was not there. And for whatever reason, you just wanted more leadership. You wanted more involvement. You said, dad, can we go play catch? Can we go do this? And your dad was just gone. He was just, he was just pretty passive in your life. Some of us, that wouldn't be it. You know, for some of us, what we'd say about our dads is we would say, you know what? I didn't have a perfect dad, but I had a really loving dad. A pretty good dad. Now, I think you'll find yourself somewhere in there. Maybe it's a, a mixture of things. But can we just admit today, if we were sitting across from a psychologist, a godly Christian psychologist, can we just admit what every psychologist would tell us here today is this? Or any wise person would tell this. Very few wounds cut deeper than father wounds. The stats back that up. Did you know 85% of youth in prison today come from a fatherless home? And some of us, I just want us to realize, we've put ourselves in a prison with our thinking with God because we've projected on God what we think and how we've related with our earthly father. And I just wanna tell you so transparently today, that would've been me for a lot of my life. Up until around the age of 30, I did not view God as a father and as a good father. I didn't. And part of it was just, I mean, just honestly, part of it was just my background. It was multiple things, I think. I mean, I didn't, I didn't grow up with a horrible dad, but I grew up in a church that was very legalistic. I don't know what kind of church you grew up in, but the church I grew up in, there was times that we'd have these revivals or retreats or we'd bring people in and, and we would preach hellfire and brimstone. Anybody grow up in a church like that? It's like, we heard about hell a lot. I mean, gnashing of teeth, you're gonna burn, you know? And I was like, as a child, going like, oh, oh, if we're talking about hell this much, like, God must be so angry. He's gonna burn me, you know? It's like, and I just kind of grew up like, maybe God's angry. He's just like this judge, just wait, you better not mess up. And then, you know, I take that view of God I began to develop, and I had a dad who, who could lose his temper pretty quick. I mean, he could be angry. My dad was a high school football coach, and man, he could lose it on the field, and sometimes he could lose it at home. I mean, some of my greatest memories, my most vivid memories about my dad is, you know, my dad was, was fun at times. When we, when we would mess up, man, my dad would come running around the corner with one of these. You remember this? With the, he'd break out the belt, and my dad, I don't know if anybody else's dad did this, but he would snap the belt. He'd be like, and I was like, snap it, and we'd hear the snap. We'd run. We'd be like, oh, Run. And I'm just telling you, you know, from this kind of maybe angry performance-based God and dad, for whatever reason, I just began to think like maybe that's God. And that's how I began to view God. And then I began to let scripture sink into my heart. I'm just telling you, God just began to do a great work in my life when I would just read more about who he is 
and how he wants me to view him. And as this, this image of God began to sink into my heart and I thought about what I think about when I think about God, I realized what I think about is wrong thinking. And I have to change my thinking. And I began changing my thinking, which began changing my life. And I wanna tell you, the, the one thing I did outside of just letting God's word sink into my heart, which is why it's so important what we talked about even this last series, quiet time, getting into God's words, letting that sink in, there's one thing I did that began to change my view of God more than almost anything else. And here's what I did. When I began to pray, which is a conversation with God, I began to pray the way Jesus told us to pray, which I had never done before. I grew up in a church, when I, when I heard people pray, it was so solemn, it was so like, you know, people would say something, like I'd hear people pray, they say like this, God. Holy God, we come before you today. Righteous God. In my mind, I'm thinking like the God that can send you to hell. <laughs> that's just how I, I learned growing up praying. And, and, and that's how I began to pray. I would say, God, God, please, please forgive me. I know I messed up, man. I know I messed up. Please. I began to pray this way, the way Jesus told us to pray. What did he say? When you pray, say what? Say it out loud with me. Can you hear yourself say that one more time? Will you say it out loud? Just say it. Say it one more time. I simply began to pray, and I started with Father. It's a simple but life-changing, profound thing, I believe. Now, it doesn't matter how you say it. You can say Heavenly Father if you want to, Holy Father. I just think using the word Father when we pray, when I would pray that, it would change God in my mind, from a judge on a throne looking down ready to zap me to a good and perfect father with his arm around me next to me. Now he's not looking at me going, you can do whatever you wanna do, buddy. He's a good father. He has boundaries, but he has love. He's not out to get me. He wants what's best for me. That's a good and perfect Father. That's what I began to pray. And what I'm challenging you to do today is to do the exact same thing, to just begin to pray. When you pray, just say the word Father. And when you say the words Father, think of the most good and perfect Father you could ever imagine. Here's what some of you are thinking. I don't know if I can do that. It seems like too big of a step or a leap for you to start doing that with God, to picture him as good and perfect as a good father because your relationship, one, one because your relationship with your earthly father is so just, it's just so broken and you've experienced so much pain in life, it's just so hard to even think about that. But, he, but come on, come on. Haven't you imagined what it would be like to have a good and perfect father. Forget God, just a good earthly father. Haven't you imagined that? Haven't you thought about what it would have been like in your life if your dad sobered up? Haven't you imagined what it would have been like if they would have never got a divorce, your dad would have never cheated, he would have never abandoned you, he would have never hurt you or abused you, if your dad would have been there for you at the birthdays, at the sporting events, like he would have just showed up. Haven't you ever, ever imagined in your mind on your hardest day, you're laying in bed and your dad walks in, he sits at the end of the bed, he looks at you, he hugs you and he says, listen, 
Your dad's here for you. Your dad believes in you. Your dad's never gonna leave you. Haven't you ever imagined that? Haven't you ever imagined your dad, he's getting ready to walk out of the door, and he grabs you and he says, listen, your dad loves you, and nothing can change that. You ever imagine that? Of course you have. And what God is saying is, I just want you to use that as an on-ramp to begin thinking about who I actually am. And for many of us, we have to reorient our mind away from our earthly father, which means to let God's word sink into our hearts. Let him inform us. If your earthly father was absent, God says, I will never leave you. Psalm 27.10 says this, even if my father and mother abandoned me, if you got abandoned, the Lord will never leave you. He will hold you close always. Psalm 28 says, God is a father to the fatherless. You may have never had a dad. God is a good father. You actually have a father, a good and perfect father. If your dad was abusive, you have a God that will never harm you. 2 Samuel 22, three. For my God is my rock in whom I find protection. He's my shield, the power that saves me, and the place of safety. He is my refuge. He's where you turn, always. The one who saves me from violence. That's what you let sink in. If, you, if, you, if your dad was performance-based and you think you gotta earn God's love, please hear this. Such a misperception. God's love is never earned. It is freely given. And Ephesians makes this so clear. The whole Bible makes this clear. It's one of my favorite verses on this. It says, for it's by grace, unmerited favor, that's what that means, that you've been saved through faith. And this is, it's not from yourselves, it's a gift. You don't earn God's love, you receive it through the sacrifice of Jesus. That's how you do it. Not by works so that no one can boast. If your dad was passive, he's passive. A lot of passive men in the world today. Please understand, God is always active in every area of your life. He's waiting for you to invite him in. Waiting for you. For the word of God is what? Alive and active. It's still active today. God's word, who God is, he's active and waiting. And in Exodus, we're told that God will fight for you. You just gotta be still, you gotta turn to him. Stop turning to everything else. And even for those of you today that would say this, I had a not perfect but loving dad, you had a good dad, I just want you to understand, God even wants to inform you, he's different than whatever good and perfect dad you actually had here on earth. He is never ending, he is perfect, his love is perfect in every way. What are we told in 1 John 3, 1? Oh, see what great love the Father has lavished not a little love, he lavished his love, his love on us that we should be called children of God. I don't feel that way. But that's what you are. That's what you are if you would accept who God wants you to see, how he is, if you would just accept that. If you'd see God how he wants you to see him. That's the calling, that's the goal of this series is for us to reorient our mind. 
And I thought, you know, one thing we could do today would be very practical, would be to just declare it. This might be hard for you, but for some of you, I want you to declare who God is. In 2016, there was a song written, a Christian song, and it, it hit the top of the billboard, billboard charts. In fact, that year, this song won Song of the Year. No other song hit more than this song, and it still hits to this day. The reason this song was so popular is because it was written to declare how we should view God as a good father. And one of the most significant things about this song is it was written, one of the writers of this song grew up never knowing his dad. So I'm gonna invite our bands to just come on stage right now. And I think it's very appropriate today that right now, with everything that's in your lungs, even if it's just a little bit of breath, would you declare and sing who God is to begin to allow him to reorient and reframe your mind? Can we sing this together right now? Let's, let, let's sing with our bands. The song starts actually with these words, I've heard a thousand things of what you're like. But what I know is you're a good, good father. And my challenge for all of us today is to simply do this, to just when you pray, just start praying using the word father. And then change your image in your mind to the most perfect and good father you can ever think of. That's who God is. Amen? Amen. Hey, let's, let's pray together. Just everybody, everybody still standing. Father, we thank you for just your word, how clear it is that you want us to see you as a good and perfect father. You've adopted us. God, no matter what our relationship is with our earthly father, you wanna transform our minds and our hearts to see you for who you are. And for some of us, that's just been so hard. And yet this series is gonna help us and reorient us, and today, and throughout this week and the months and years to come, would we, would we pray to you as a good father? And in that imagery, would you reframe our thinking, how we relate with you, how much we trust you? Would we trust you now with every area of our life knowing that you really do have good in store for us? And as we do that, would we see you move in miraculous ways? We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Hey, CCV, we're gonna continue the series next week. I think it's a great series to invite someone with you. Go out and have a great, great week.